0: Good morning everybody, my name is Lee Hanson, I'm on staff here at CPC, I serve as the director of student ministries. Uh, many of you know, some of you don't, but if I'm not here at CPC, you can usually find me on the back of a horse, I've been uh, training and riding horses my entire life, uh, and I share that with you because that, that song just felt right, and also, uh, because about a year and a half ago I was at a rodeo in Arizona, uh, and I met this beautiful woman named Hallie, and uh, this past winter I asked her to be my wife. And if I look a little extra smiley or have a little bit more pep in my step this morning, it's because in less than three weeks, she will become my wife. Uh, So I wanted to share that with you. You can tell by the picture, you can tell by the picture that I'm really marrying up. uh, So I'm pretty excited about it. And... uh, Anyhow, I I, I look forward to uh, you actually meeting her. I wanted to informally introduce her to you, but I I do look forward to when she comes and is is with us and that you can welcome her with warm hearts and welcome hands, as I'm sure you will. Well, uh, when I was in college, I had a a mentor, and he gave me a specific challenge. He gave me lots of challenges, but this this one stuck with me for some reason. He said, Lee, I'd love for you to spend a year in a book of the Bible... And allow that book of the Bible to spend a year on you. And, and I did that, and I went through this book of Hebrews, and I spent this incredible journey uh, through that book, and it changed me, and it became a piece of me. And I, I love that we're actually in this series of Jonah, and, and that for uh, a whole month, we're, we're just sitting in this, this very short four chapters of this, this incredibly rich book in the Old Testament, And and I have seen God doing awesome things in my life, and I've been hearing stories of God doing awesome things in your life. And so I get excited about it, and I hope you're excited. Uh, John Crosby has been teasing me that I somehow got the good chapter. I don't know how that works. I'm going to talk about how Jonah went to a city and told them to repent or die. And so John's either really sick or we just see things differently. (laughs) A couple years ago, I was uh, driving in Eden Prairie, And I was driving by the Eden Prairie Mall, and my brother and sister-in-law have a townhouse that's right across from the mall. And so, naturally, I drove by, and I I thought of them. And I was driving, and and it seemed as if I I sensed God asking me to to turn my car around and to go and and pray for Renee. Renee. Well, Renee and Chris dated long distance, and so uh, she was in California for most of their relationship. I didn't know her all that well, and so this, this, this thought seemed kind of strange for me. I knew it was from God, because it certainly wasn't from me. And what, what you need to know is that, that Renee was pregnant at the time, and, and she had been having complications, so she was on bed rest. And, and as I pulled over, and I'm processing whether I'm really actually going to turn around, God's request seemed to get a little bit more specific. It seemed as if God was saying, Not just I want you to go and turn around, knock on your sister in law's door and pray for her, but I'd like you to lay your hands on her stomach and pray for her unborn child. And I'm thinking, You have got to be kidding me. <laughs> but, but in my heart, I really want to be obedient, and I don't want to ignore when the Spirit prompts something in my heart. And so I, I picked up the phone after a little bit of time on the side of the road when I could breathe again, and I called Renee. And I, I made the request, and, and I don't know what exactly she was thinking as, I, as these words came out of my mouth, uh, but she allowed me in, and she said yes, and I went over, and I did in fact lay my hands on her stomach and pray for my nephew, who I now know as Aidan. And why that story is relevant this morning, why that story I, I think is important to us and how it relates to Jonah, is I think often God gives his people a word God gives us words that he would desire, that, that we would maybe even perhaps speak to somebody else. And while my word that day happened to be a blessing and a warm, fuzzy moment, what do we do when God gives us a hard word? How do we respond when God might call us into a relationship or a scenario or a situation where we're going to have to say something really difficult to somebody? I tend to be a little bit more truthful and blunt. And so often I've tried to enter into these conversations and I've left feeling a little bit like this, that maybe not everything that comes into my mind needs to actually come out of my mouth. Have you ever felt that way? That not necessarily everything that's in your mind needs to actually come out of your mouth. And as I think about that story with Renee and I think about Jonah and the Ninevites, it also stuck out to me that that sometimes God's going to call you to be the one speaking that truth. Sometimes God's going to ask you to be his messenger, and we're going to talk about that, but I also want to talk about what happens when we're on the other side of that story. What do we do, and how do we respond when someone comes into our life, and someone might speak a hard truth to us, whether it's about a a habitual sin pattern, or a destructive behavior that's, that's seeping and leaking out to everyone around you. Because I I really believe this. If we're going to be the body of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be God's hands and feet, and we want to love people the way that Jesus did, we have to be willing to engage with people in this way. A prominent Christian psychologist, Dr. Henry Cloud, says that people are God's plan A. And I believe that we're here because we want to be more like Jesus. And if we want to be more like Jesus, I, I really believe that we have a place in this story. I'd love for you to open up your Bibles in the pew, uh, page 1382, if you want to read along in your Bible. Uh, Otherwise, it will be on the screen. But, But Jonah had a hard message. Jonah had a really difficult message. And you know that he didn't just say, yeah, God, I'm in. He kicked and he screamed, but eventually he went. And so we find ourselves in Jonah chapter 3, page 1382. And the story goes, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a large city. In fact, it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. How'd you like to be the one preaching that message? And the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them... From the greatest to the least, they put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose to his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink, but let the people and animals be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God let them give up their evil ways and their violence because who knows I love that who knows God may yet relent with compassion and turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened now picture this story And picture the conversations that you may feel like you've been called into or are being called into and how daunting that might feel to have a conversation with probably one or two people. Jonah went to a city so big, so large, that it took him three days to walk through with a really tough message. One thing about this story that's interesting to me that I think has to be our starting place It has to be where we operate out of in this specific conversation of of speaking hard truth and receiving hard truth. And it's a very simple idea, but it's very profound. And that idea is this, that God has standards. That we serve a holy God that has a better way of life for us. And that same God that, that has these standards, he says that we all fall short. And if we all fall short, how many is all? That's everybody. And it's important to understand, because if we don't understand that we fall short, if we don't understand that we have sin in our lives, we're not going to understand when someone calls us out on it. And we're not going to be the types of people that are alert to see the sin and brokenness in the world and respond to it. And so before we can go any farther, we have to acknowledge that, that we're broken, sinful people, and that that's okay. I don't applaud it, I'm not excited about it, but it's just our reality. You know, John Crosby shared last week that human brokenness leads to pain and that pain has consequences. And he also shared that, that these storms that we go through in life, we don't go through them alone. And if those things are true, then our pain and our consequences don't just affect us, it leaks out into our relationships and our families, our workplaces, and even our church. Paul urges the Ephesian church, he says that he calls them, he says, I want you to speak the truth in love so that we might grow up into the fullness of Christ. Not speak the truth so that you can prove a point or call someone else out on something, but he calls us to speak the truth in love so that we might actually grow up into mature, functioning Christians just like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. And that's what I want for you. And so, I want to start with something that might make you feel a little uncomfortable, and I'm totally okay with that. I want everyone to raise their right hand. Raise it. There you go. And repeat after me. I fall short. And I am broken. See, it wasn't so bad, right? The people in Nineveh, oddly enough, seem to understand that, that they indeed did fall short and that they indeed were broken. A commentator I love to read named Bob Deffingbach, he says this. He says, it's particularly interesting to note that there was apparently no need for the people to be told what their wicked ways were. Of course, Jonah could have filled in the details for the people, but it seems as though no one needed any such clarification. The issue then was not one of having an inadequate knowledge of God, Or what God considered sin, but lacking the desire to abstain from it. Regardless of what these people were engaged in or how they behaved, they understood that they were broken. And they understood that they fell short. And you know what the beauty of our brokenness is? Is that we don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to hide from it. We don't have to hide from our sin. Because that's exactly why Jesus came. And if you are in Christ, if you have submitted your life... Jesus Christ and you call him your Lord and your Savior. He has paid for the messiest, ugliest, most broken areas of your life and his desire is to redeem and renew and give you new life. And so we don't have to be afraid of our brokenness but yet we can embrace it and we can embrace what Jesus wants to do in our life and we can change. But we need each other to do that. God uses Jonah in his brokenness, a broken man to bring hope to a very broken and dying world. And Jonah didn't necessarily do it with a joyful heart or a great attitude, but he went anyways. And so I want to I address specifically both sides of that coin and, and ask the question, what does it look like? Or maybe a better question is, what should it look like to be on the speaking end of truth and repentance? What does that look like? And how do we do that? Well, when I look at Jonah, I think of a couple things. Well, I don't necessarily want us to reciprocate his process... I do want us to learn from it, and I think a couple things that were very clear to me as I read the story, that one, that Jonah had a very clear word from God. Jonah had a very clear message for a very specific people, and he went through a process to get ready. Again, I don't applaud his process, but there was a process, and Jonah took time to get ready uh, to be in this environment where he was going to be speaking these words. And so I want to make a clarification uh, for us. uh, Because I'm not talking about being a pastor or a preacher. This isn't just John's job or Brad's job or my job. But as I read this story and I ask how how it interacts with our lives, I want to take the author's original intent, why he wrote this passage, which I believe is twofold. One, I think the author really wanted us to understand that God requires repentance from his people. God requires repentance from all of us. And the second half of this big idea and the original intent of this passage, I really I really think is pretty clear that God's word is what changes people's lives. God's words change people's lives. And he requires us all to repent. And I want to pass that on to 2013 because for most of us, the context isn't going to be standing up here speaking to an audience. The context of these conversations most often will be between you and someone else in your life that you love and you care about. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your coworkers, or your wife or your your boss or whoever it is. That's probably going to be the conversation that you're going to be having and called into. And so how do we do that? How do we say this way leads to death with the heart of God, not wanting people to die, but wanting people to experience life? A very successful uh, athletic clothing company called Lululemon, uh, they've rephrased this idea that I love. Because I think we have such a negative connotation about how these conversations happen. And we have bad tastes in our mouth from how they've happened to us in the past. And we carry, we carry those things. And Lululemon has branded this uh, idea of having hard conversations. And they, they say, we want to be willing to have the real conversation. I love that. I want to be willing to have the real conversation. Let's talk about what's really going on. Yeah, often in our lives, I think why it's such a negative connotation is that in our lives, we make people really, really big. People are big in our world and God is small. Sometimes we care more often about the ramifications of a conversation about our job or our career than we do about telling the truth. Or we're we're more afraid of hurting someone's feelings than we are about actually loving them well. And I think sometimes we're afraid to appear judgmental because we've seen the church wound people. In the name of Christ was zealousness proclaiming a message, and it's more like seeing someone get sucker punched. And we're afraid that people are going to separate themselves from us. And, and so whichever camp you fall into, whatever, it's hard for you. I, I want to repackage that idea of like, well, let's just have the real conversations. It doesn't have to be a bad or scary thing. It can be an awesome, beautiful, wonderful thing that brings life. And so I don't have an ABC process, which is funny because I do have three points, but I, I, have a, I have more of a guideline for you of, of how do we do this well. And I think the first thing that I think is important, that there needs to be an element of time involved. If you feel like you've really been given a word, or you feel like, like you need to have a conversation with someone, and it seems clear to you, and you feel like you need to have it right now, I would argue that you probably don't. And you probably shouldn't. And in that space that you create, however long that might be, whether it might be minutes, it could be weeks, months, maybe even years. Whatever that space you've created, I would ask you to, to really try your best to discern God's voice. Separate God's voice from your voice. Because often in my life, my voice screams a lot louder than his. And you do that by, by, by having earnest conversations. Uh, and you pray And you open up God's word. You might have to seek out a mentor. An older godly man or woman in your life that that can give you wisdom. And so whatever that process is, I think there needs to be an element of time. And I think there also needs to be an element of relationship. Most people aren't going to be called to go speak a message to a stranger. Or a hard truth to someone they've never met or don't know. You might. But that's probably not going to be what God calls most of us into. And what happens when you're in a relationship with someone is you get to know them, and you understand their story. And at that point, you may not excuse their behavior, but you might understand why they're so defensive, because they had parents that screamed at them their whole lives and made them be perfect. So any flaw, they become despondent at. Or you might understand why someone struggles so deeply with alcoholism if they come from a long line of alcoholics. So it doesn't excuse their behavior, but allows you a different way to enter into the conversation have a relationship and earn the right to speak into someone's life. The last thing I think might be the hardest thing, especially when we go with these hard truths, is in that conversation, take time to listen to the other person and ask them questions. Listen. And notice I didn't say the word hear because I hear a lot of things. But listening is very different and I think you know the difference. Just a couple weeks ago, I was in my office and I was uh, sitting with one of my staff members and, and I, it was just the two of us in the office. And I said, Brooke, would you uh, would you be willing by any chance to give me some feedback? You know, Corey and I, uh, my co-director of student ministries, uh, we've been in this role doing things together for a couple months now and I just want to know how it feels to you. You know, what, what's going on? Uh, you know, I'd love to hear. And Brooke didn't have a lot to say in that moment, which is Okay. But later on that night, I got a text from Brooke, and she said, Leah, I would really like to to give you some feedback. I'd like to take you up on that offer. And Matt would like to come too. Matt and Brooke worked very closely in high school ministry, so it was very appropriate for them to come together and offer me some feedback because because it's a very intertwined department. And I didn't know it, but what I was about to walk into with Matt and Brooke was going to be one of the most difficult conversations of my adult life. One of the hardest conversations I've ever had to sit across the table in here. But I want to share it with you because it's important that you see how this can be done so well. Brooke and Matt had taken a couple days. It was three days between the the conversation and when we sat down. And they sat down and they had a couple pages typed out of feedback for me. So they had well thought out thoughts. They had processed. They had prayed over this document. They had set up a time and a space so it didn't happen on a whim. And they came over to my apartment and we stopped and we prayed. Brooke and Matt prayed and we invited Jesus into that space. And then before they moved any farther, they they stopped and they affirmed me. They said, Lee, we want you to know that that we think you've done a lot of things really, really well this year. And we love you and we care about you. But we also need to share some areas that we just really feel like you've, you've really kind of dropped the ball. And they talked about maybe ways that I wasn't as present for them in their ministry area. And that they didn't feel very supported by me this year. And then they talked about some of my personality sometimes, too, that, that I come across really strong in meetings. And that sometimes I say things that have, that have just hurt their feelings. Or made them feel like I'm trying to exert some gross authority over them. And while it's not my heart, it was never my desire to do any of those things. The fact is that it was real. And that it was happened. And that I just needed to own it. And I share that process because it was done so well. Two people that loved me enough that desired more than anything to see me grow up into the fullness of Christ, loved me enough to speak the truth that I needed to hear into my life and to have the real conversation. And I applaud them for their courage, and I'm so grateful because while that was one of the most difficult conversations of my adult professional life, I promise you it will also be one of the most fruitful. I will be a better team leader. I will love your kids and these students better. And I will walk with Jesus differently because Matt and Brooke loved me enough to have the real conversation. And when I, when I think about that story and I think about the other side of this coin, how do we place ourselves in those scenarios? And what do we do when, when someone speaks those truths into our lives? Because see, I had a choice in that conversation. I could have become defensive. I could have made a lot of excuses. I could have pointed out my fingers. I could have changed the conversation around and told them ways that they screwed up this year. But that wouldn't have been Christ in me. And so I stopped and and I didn't respond right away. But I took some time and I processed and and we met a week later. And we had great conversations and we got on the same page and, 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 and things are good between us now. But I had a choice. I could have become angry and despondent or I could have chosen to let this conversation have its place in my story. And allow Jesus to do what he would want to do in me and in Matt and Brooke through it. And when I look at the Ninevites, like I said, they understood that they were broken and they understood that they had fallen short. And Jonah spoke this hard truth to them and they received it. They listened. And then they changed. And so I have a a process that, that that we can go through also, I think, when we're on the other side. When someone's speaking a hard truth into our life that could be helpful. One, I think we need to humble ourselves to listen. Humble yourself to listen. I think the second thing is to take some time to process if you need. Often I feel like conversations are both urgent and important and that means they need to happen right now. And I need to respond and give you answers. But I don't think that's true and I don't think it's helpful in conversations like this. And so I would encourage you if you find yourself in this scenario to be a good listener in that process and take time to process and ask questions and pray. Ask clarifying questions, whatever you need. You don't need to give an answer right away. And then perhaps the most important step and perhaps the hardest step is to actually ask God the question of what he might want to do in you. God, what might you want to do in my life? I have all these things that have just been received and they're difficult and they're hard, but but where do they fit? Because I'm certain that, that there's a piece of this puzzle. Brad reminded us a couple weeks ago as he spoke in Jonah chapter one of a simple and beautiful truth that God still speaks. God still speaks to his people. And I believe that if we earnestly place ourselves in an environment where we ask God the question, what might you want to do in me that he will answer? We don't need to be afraid to own our areas of brokenness and sin because Jesus has already paid the penalty for it. And that's what the gospel's all about restoration and redemption, and becoming mature Christians that think and act, operate and speak like Jesus Christ himself. And we can't do that alone. We need each other. People are God's plan A. And as I look at this story of Jonah and the Ninevites, it's a story of redemption. As I look at this story of of God's heart I love that we have a God that desires more than anything not to pay us back, but to win us back. And it's interesting to me that no matter which position we find ourselves in, whether we're being called to speak or to receive, God's asking essentially the same thing of us. God's asking us to respond to his word. That's it. Whether you're speaking or receiving, God's simply asking you to respond to his word in your life. And that's what changes people. And that's what makes us like Jesus. And so... My hope for us is that we would be the types of people that are willing to have the real conversations. Conversations with the heart of God that say this way leads to death, but there's a better way. And that we would be the types of people that allow hard truth into the broken places of our lives and have the courage to let Jesus redeem, restore, reclaim, and renew so that we might be bearers and bringers of good news and life everywhere we go. Amen.